Sunday You're listening to Sunday Groove on Lillo Podcasting Network. I'm your host, David Sunday. This is episode 41, and I've got my pal Andy Helene back with me to talk about some good old rock and roll. How you doing, Andy? Well, thanks for having me back, man. It's always cool to talk music with you. Thanks. Yeah, we seem to really connect on music a lot and have a lot of similar opinions in a lot of bands, even though we definitely have very diverse interest in some bands like that. I know there's a ton I'm into that sure not and vice versa, or maybe that just haven't given a chance to could be even more accurate, but there's a ton that we overlap on, which is a lot of fun. I agree. Yeah. And I think you're like my only friend that's like as obsessed with music as me. Cause like Greg, he loves music, but he also loves like wrestling and sports probably more. Whereas I would say probably music's your main thing, isn't it? Yeah, like, I guess with Greg, yeah, so it would probably be, like, third on his list. Mm -hmm. Whereas mine, yeah, like, I guess my main interests are, like, music, and then it was X-Files, and then pro wrestling, but those kind of take, like, a backseat now to music and have for a while. So, yeah, it's, like, top of my list. Yeah, with me, like, ever since I started playing music and, like, like, reading when I was little was, like, my main interest, and then, like whatever age it was that I started buying my own music, that became the <laughs> the most important thing, and it's never changed. I think it could be with me, like, like the older I get, like, I like finding bands that I didn't know about, um, or, like, you know, like, rediscovering stuff, and then there's always something new to discover. And then with pro wrestling, like, I'm not as into the new stuff, but I like going back to the old stuff. So maybe it's not, like, as present in my hobbies because, like, the new stuff is not present with me. Whereas new music, I'm always like, okay, what's next? Or, like, seeing concerts and stuff. So there's always something to take in. Yeah, but seeing concerts, like, it's such a good opportunity to introduce you to new bands like I know for me, I have to fight the urge between like ahead of time looking into bands that are going to be opening for the band I'm going to or just experiencing it in real time and becoming a fan that way. But I love watching tour announcements and just hearing about bands that I've never heard about and checking them out. Oh, for sure. Like not to take over your uh, podcast already, but I saw a concert last night. I saw a Volbeat and Ghost and there was a oh, band nice. opened up called Twin Temple. And I guess I would say they're like doo-wop devil music because it's got some lady with the beehive and they're basically doing some kind of like 50 sounding music, but then she's singing about Satan. <laughs> it's way I've... more gimmicky than Ghost um, was or more of a novelty, but it was kind of fine for like opening act. Now, who was the headliner? Was Volbeat or Ghost? Ghost was. I figured so, which is so weird. How long has Ghost been around? Have they been around very long? Since like 2011 might have been when the first album came out, so maybe a little bit before then. But I think they both were almost co-headliners because they both did like an hour and 15, like an hour and 20. It was like they had equal sets, equal set lengths and stuff. Okay, so that's a lot like when I saw Tremonti and... Blackstone Cherry technically was the headliner, but they did the same length as Tremonti did. Mm. Oh, cool. Yeah, because they had toured together with Alter Bridge, so I think they're probably pals in real life. And like, even though Tremonti's band at that point was not as big as Blackstone Cherry, you know, he's still got a lot behind his name. Just most everybody knows who Tremonti is. It's hard not to. Yeah. Um, 
but nice. Well, this episode, we're going to get into Slash's new album. But first, as always, I like to do a little bit of current spins, just some new music that I'm getting into or just something I'm currently obsessed with. Could be new or old. Andy, you got anything new besides Slash? I got a lot lately, but I'll try to condense it. I've been all over the place more than usual because I guess I had the show I saw last night, so I was kind of listening to some um, ghost little bit more than usual and they've got a new album coming out next month and then i was kind of floating between that and a lot of metallica for my own podcast and then i've also been getting into uh, king's x lately so who's i don't know king's x or maybe i do and don't realize i know him. i've gotten into them from some of my friends they all seem to all these music conversations i have like Lately, King's X keeps coming up, and they're like, I guess they're like a trio, but they almost kind of have like a pop influence. Like, usually when you think of a trio, you think of like, I think of like Motorhead or like Rush or something like that. But this band's more like a, they're way more like pop or something, because all the guys do like harmonies. Nice. I don't really know who to compare them to, except for maybe like Mr. Big. Okay. I'll just check them out. Well, my biggest excitement, I think starting last week, and it kind of fizzled out a little bit this week, but there was a new Red Hot Chili Peppers single, Black Summer. Oh, that's right. And like I have always loved the Chili Peppers since I was, I don't know, uh, a kid. And like I think they had a really solid run between Californication and Stadium Arcadium. Like I thought that was their sweet spot. Especially production-wise, because like Blood's uh, Sugar Sex Magic is a good album, but the production kind of sucks. Like it doesn't it doesn't sound nearly as good as the other albums. And so I don't know what it is. It's just the way it mixed. It kind of feels almost flat. But anyway, in Frusciante, uh, John Frusciante left the band after Stadium Arcadium, and so the last couple albums have not been horrible, but they haven't been the same. And he's back in the band and. You can feel it. Like that Black Summer single sounds much more Stadium Arcadium era than modern Red Hot Chili Peppers. And so it just kind of feels like they have their groove back. And that's the most important part of Chili Peppers. I think drums and bass, like you just have to have that one guitar, of course. But like you got to have that sound and not worry about sounding modern. And I think they're back to that. And I also just think it's kind of funny. That seems to be what. John Versanti does like he will get motivated, do that for a while, then get kind of burnt out and leave for a while, then recharge and then come back. Do you think oh. he doesn't like touring or something? Like I've never really read any interviews with him, but I've noticed the same thing. He does like two albums and then leaves or something and then comes back. I I know at one point he kind of didn't like how big they had gotten. Like I think he would be happier if they could play clubs, which of course can't happen because they're too big. Um, But I also do know he's had a lot of drug addiction issues too. So that could be part of it as well. Cause I would imagine being on the road so much would lend itself to getting hooked again on some stuff. I don't have a clue if he still has any substance issues, but I definitely know he did in the nineties. But yeah, I I think it's it's probably, I think he probably likes touring some, but I think, I mean, you gotta think they play a ton because they're just one of those bands that are huge. So yeah, it's probably a mixture of a lot of things, but yeah, he just seems to get burnt out and need to recharge. But yeah, I think after, I can't remember which album was, he really wanted to kind of go more obscure with the music. And of course the band didn't want to, because <laughs> they were making millions, I would imagine. So they didn't exactly want to do something crazy like Pearl Jam, who would, Pearl Jam didn't give a damn in the 90s. They would just put out something new completely different because Eddie wanted to. Because Eddie Vedder would definitely kind of get resentful of how mainstream they'd gotten. But anyway, that's me going off on a little random aside. (laughs) Oh, no, it's okay. I ask. Yeah. Do you like Chili Peppers? I like them uh, somewhat. I guess maybe... In like small doses, like I'm not like not a fan, but I did see him a couple of years ago too with a friend of mine, 
up in um, Milwaukee at Summerfest, and it was a it was a good time, except for it was like raining the entire time, and it was like outdoors, so we're like soaked. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, like you had mentioned how like Frashante, I think it's Frashante, mm-hmm. he was gone, but I still like some of the songs on. I think it was I'm with you, the one that had the fly on there. It was like Rain yeah. Maggie. And, yeah. And there was like it just seemed like that album was really long. Or like a lot of their albums are really long, but yet there's some good stuff in there. Oh yeah. Um there definitely there's some good stuff even on those with him. I feel kind of bad for him because I I I wonder if there was much of a conversation or if it was just like John wants to come back. See you later. Oh yeah, but, really? Because they had the other guy, like Josh Klinghoffer, in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Monarchy of Roses was good off of "I'm with You," and then of course, Rain Nets Maggie was good. God, yeah, that fourteen tracks, an hour long album. That's that is all really of them sh- are really really long though. Even like Californication's got a lot of song. I don't know all the uh, tracks off my top of my head but like that one was long i think by the way was really really good but it's a long listen mm-hmm. yeah they just seem to be one of those bands that when they put it on an album uh you can expect an hour because like i know i've referenced it before i always thought it was cool when they did stadium arcadium being a double album and both albums are 14 songs long so it wasn't like the foo fighters uh by, no, by the way what was it Oh, I'm a blanking on that album. What's the name of that one? The In Your Honor? Yeah, In Your Honor. Ten tracks each just felt kind of a cheat. It's like, what? It's like it's like 39 minutes each. That's not... <laughs> to yeah. me, that doesn't feel like a double album. And but, then isn't you know. one of them, or some of the uh, um, the ones on the second disc, there's like a little instrumental thing, or they're like shorter, uh, too. Mm-hmm. I guess it was more of the theme. Okay, here's the rock ones. And then here's the softer, like acoustic-y stuff. So I think they were going more for a theme than length or something, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't know. I expected more from that. I think that's like the only one of their albums I've been like super disappointed with, even though they had some good stuff. I guess Chili Peppers, maybe I'm just a greatest hits guy. Yeah. Understandable. Uh, like I, I, I really get that. With me, it's probably just because of me being a drummer and loving a good bass and drum groove and they've got it on the bulk of their music and for i mean they're one of those bands that i do know a lot of their lyrics but at the same point i don't feel their lyrics are that important like it's more the feel to me yeah that's important like if that groove was gone and they had like the best lyrics ever i don't think i'd care like i think i'd be like man the groove's gone (laughs) you know that was that's more important to me with them oh one that popped up to me from that um i'm with you um, mm-hmm. Look around. I don't remember uh, that one. Uh, it's got it's got basically the kind of like funky like groove uh, that you kind of expect out of the Chili Peppers. Because I just had to mm-hmm. look up the track listing because I knew there was a couple that I really liked. And yeah, I think Look Around might have been on the radio. And then there okay. was um, Brendan's Death Song. Yeah, another kind of hit or like a radio single. Okay. Yeah, like I'm gonna have to revisit that later. Yeah, I need to give that one more of a chance. Like, I listened to it a lot when it came out, but I've not revisited it very much. Probably, like, right before Dark Necessities came out, I might have. But that's probably about it. Yeah. Anything I, else you got? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, let me <laughs> go into it real quick. Let's see. So, like, I've been a fan of Hellstorm for a while, but, like, I've never been into them at the time an album came out. Oh. So, like, yeah. I've never been so excited for a new album in a while and uh so like i liked back from the dead pretty well that was the first single it came out a few months back but the steeple i think is really good and that's leading up to their album i think it's coming out in april i want to say uh, may may okay um, i know that because i just pre-ordered it so nice but yeah the steeple is so solid i'm really excited about it yeah i like it I guess I'm in the same uh, boat as you with Hailstorm because, yeah, I really didn't get into them till maybe the second album or so, and the first two had already been out. Then I kind of like, I don't know, they kind of went on my back burner, and I think I picked up the third one late and then 
I actually didn't really listen to the fourth one that much. So yeah, it's, I guess I'm going where you were, where I kind of came into them after the fact of each album. Right. Yeah. Like I knew who they were. Cause I remember when they toured with, um, I didn't see them, but I, I saw footage where they had toured with Alter Bridge on the Blackbird, uh, or maybe it was on AB3. You know, it had to be AB3 tour. So, like, I'd heard a version of her singing back up on Watch Over You and stuff like that. But, like, for whatever reason, I just never went out and bought one of their albums until maybe, like, five or six years ago I bought their first one. And I liked it. But for whatever reason, I didn't dive into their others until, like, the last two years. Over the last year, I've gotten really big into, well, really, their second, third, and fourth album. And so, yeah, I've been really excited. I still think it comes down to watching her uh, Instagram live from not this past Christmas, but the year before. I'm hearing her sing Oh Holy Night, which is just such a bizarre pick for her, but she did it so well. Oh, um, like she sang it mostly clean which is not really her style. You know, normally she has the gruffness to her voice and then she did a couple of their hits, but it was really cool. And so after that, I've just been like, all right, I can't wait for a new album. Yeah. Cause I guess maybe with me too, it was like, I think every time they put out an album, I was working at the rock station in town, like the current rock station. So it's like, I was already hearing uh, those songs when I was working there, so I didn't feel the need to rush out and buy something. So maybe that's where I was coming from. That I'm trying to put mm-hmm. this in, like you know that headspace. Yeah, like they've always been kind of one of those bands that's awesome, like live too. Yeah, you, I'm so glad you said that a couple months ago, or maybe it was just a month ago to me. And so then I found that they had a couple of live albums on Spotify, and so I was listening to those. And it definitely captures the songs better than just the studio does. And I've got to catch them live one of these days. I just don't know when that will be, but I've got to try to figure out a way to make that happen. I'm sure they'll tour um, probably the summer or something mm-hmm. when the album comes out. Hopefully they come to your area. Yeah. No. So the last thing I got really into this past week was because I, what I was watching, but I was watching the show Yellowstone and they use a ton of Chris Stapleton's stuff in there. Well, it, between that and this, the writer does a lot of stuff. And he's, I think almost every movie he does has a Chris Stapleton song in it. So I was going back through just random Chris Stapleton songs like Cold, um, which is really cool, bluesy with strings in the back of it. And then there's Hard Living is more of kind of like a retro country song. Hmm. But yeah, he's my favorite modern country singer, so I always get their little sets where I'm obsessed with him. Who's the uh, um you said uh his music gets used in that show. Who's the um guy that uses his music? Let me pull up his name so I say it right. I think it's Taylor something. Let's see. Taylor Sheridan. Hmm. Um he's also done I think he's linked to both. Yeah. The first time I heard of him was in 2016. He wrote Hell or High Water, which is a great like modern Western. And then he did a kind of more indie film, Wind River, which was really good. And he even wrote the movie Sicario. And then he did – he was involved in one other kind of big one that I'm blanking on for some reason. But anyway, anything he's tied to – there's going to be a Chris Stapleton song in there. So I like that a lot, which it makes sense. I mean, Yellowstone's a straight up Western set in the modern day and Hell or High Water kind of has that same feel, even though it's bank robbers. But yeah, that's, that's why I got really big into Chris Stapleton because otherwise I wasn't listening to modern country. So I wouldn't have heard him. Hmm. I've only heard songs here, here and there. I've never dove in a whole lot. Oh, it's, there's a lot of great stuff on there, but I know you're not as into country as I am. So I don't know if it would grab you quite the same way. Oh, and so I'm not going to dive into it much at all, but I just wanted to say I dove back into surviving yesterday and listened to it a couple times that I found where they'd done live versions of each album, oh, uh, yeah. surviving Phoenix sessions. I listened to that last night and really, really liked it. 
Yeah, they did those as like pandemic uh, streams. Mm -hmm. They did like three albums from start to finish. And I thought they were going to be more like um, you watch the Metallica thing where it was like a live performance as it happened. But the Jimmy mm -hmm. World things were kind of they filmed them in advance and then edited them and like made them feel more like a music video or something. It wasn't live. And I guess I was hoping it was going to be live. But the way they did it was like awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, I meant to watch those when they happened, but I didn't. But when I saw those on Spotify, I'm like, I'm going to I like surviving. I'm going to dive into that one. And it still holds up extremely well. Yeah, like it's cool how they did release the audio from that uh, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love it when they uh, when bands will do that because sometimes you miss out if you don't do the live stream. So, do you have anything else, or? I was actually just wearing uh, my Jimmy Eat World uh, surviving shirt yesterday, or not yesterday, but Thursday at work. Nice. Yeah, I was just thinking the other day. I don't own any Jimmy Eat World merch. I need to change that. I like how it wasn't a black shirt, so so it kind of sold it on me more. It's like a sky blue uh, kind of mm -hmm. color, so I'm like, okay, I need more colors in my wardrobe than just black band shirts. Exactly. <laughs> That's why the last Foo Fighter shirt I bought was that exact reason. It was a very bright blue shirt. I'm like, good, because I'm so tired of all my shirt, you know, all my weekend shirts being black. <laughs> yeah, I even Unless made I... sure that I bought a Metallica shirt that was red uh, too. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Other than my superhero shirts that I wear a lot of, I like everything else is black. And I'm like, yeah, we need to change that up a little bit. It's black. <laughs> <laughs> it's blackened. <laughs> well, nice. Yeah. So what we're here for is to talk about the new Slash album. But before we do that, I did want to give a little background on the band. I know Andy and I have talked about them before, but it's been a few years, so figured just kind of do a little update on that. So the new album came out and I was super excited for it. I'm going to be a little more critical of it than I'd planned to be. and But I did want to like preface it with, this is a band that I've been excited for for years. Like I remember when uh, Slash did his first album called Slash, where he had a ton of artists collaborate with him. He had Miles do two tracks for him and they were very different, but I loved it because one was back to Cali, and I'm trying to remember what the was it Starlight? Yeah, yeah. But I thought they really had something there. I really thought they had a good feel. And the next thing I know, Miles did a tour with them promoting that album. And so I was super excited when the first album came out. But then, like the song "You're a Lie" came out, and for me, it just felt like Miles was trying too hard to do a metal voice on that song, and it annoyed me. And which well, see, is really I like weird. That one. It, I like it better now than I did at the time, but at the time it really annoyed me. And so, like, I didn't get big into the first album until the second album came out. Hmm. Uh, so it was kind of weird. Like, I was all over it for, like, just the first one that wasn't a Conspirators album. It was just a straight-up called Slash. And then right before uh, the second album dropped, I got really into both of them. So, like, I guess that means, like, was that 2012? When the second one came out, something like that. Um, yeah, 2012 was the first official one with Miles and the Conspirators. Okay. So, oh, World on Fire was 2014. So that was probably around the time I really got into it. And so I've been a fan for a long time. And for me, I think each of those three releases are incredibly strong. So I think that kind of hurt this album a little bit because... It just, to me, doesn't feel as strong as I'd hoped it would feel. And because, uh, like, I really, I went back through Apocalyptic Love, their first full-length one. And, I mean, other than me criticizing You're a Lie, which I'm hit or miss on, that's a really freaking good album. Like, Standing in the Sun, Anastasia, Black Rain, all of those are phenomenal uh, songs. No More Heroes is really cool, too. So, like, I, pretty much from start to finish, I like that album. Where where do you stand on that one? Do you like that one pretty much all the way through, Apocalyptic Love? Yeah, like, man, 
that one still gets like a lot of love and like play from me. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I might say it's like my favorite one if I had to pick of the slash like solo stuff, even counting like Snake Pit and then the one that we mentioned where it was just like slash with the different um, guest vocals. Mm-hmm. And I just like how you already mentioned Bad Rain. That's got like a different groove to it. And then mm-hmm. uh, there's We Will Roam and like Halo, oh, yeah. it's time to dirty up your Halo. It's going through my head right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, man, it is just strong. And it like, I don't know. It kind of made a statement almost like, you know, going back to the first like Appetite for Destruction. It just kind of had yeah. dirty rock vibe, um, you know, that slash kind of like i guess he did some velvet revolver stuff that was like kind of like rock but it was it felt more like scott's thing and stuff and now mm-hmm. it's like or like more of a band thing i guess because there was what uh um you had duff in there some of the guys mm-hmm. from roses and then scott wyland well this was like slash here in front and center i guess so it kind of yeah it felt like that early guns and roses stuff where it was like really dirty yeah i it really stands strong, and I, I love it. For me, my favorite of the Slash albums is World on Fire. I was listening to that again this week, and I was like, good Lord. Between uh, Bent to Fly is such a great solo, uh, such a great single, I mean, and World on Fire is just such a great rock song. But, like, I don't know. I just – Shadow Life. Um, I think everything for me – is really, really good. And st- like, I'm looking at the track listing now and I can like, I'm looking at all the tracks in order from the first one, world on fire through like withered Delilah. And those mm-hmm. all like, I'm looking at, th- at the words and the song pops in my head, but now I'm looking at the back half and they don't stand out as much to me. So yeah, like, I don't know if it was just those first 10 songs that might be my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. Know, I- maybe I need to revisit it. Is there anything that stands um, out to you on the second half? I liked uh, Iris of the Storm, uh, Dirty Girls, a really good groove. And I'm trying to think. I think The Dissident was really strong, but I cannot hear it in my head right this second because I listened to all their albums this week. So, like the one that I would pinpoint as like really awesome when you mentioned World on Fire, like Wicked Stone. Uh huh. I'm getting off this wicked stone. I don't know, man. That just, I don't know. It like pops. It does. Yeah, I've got it going through my head, but I'm not going to try Miles vocals. That normally does not go well. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Even one thing how uh, I was talking about Hailstorm, uh, too, being like a live act. The one thing that actually did really, really sell me on the Slash and Miles stuff even more than um, that first album was a live album. And I got it right here and it's made in Stoke mm-hmm. and it's from 2011. So it was probably from that tour. I, I believe it was from that tour where the conspirators and slash were touring uh, the slash album. And it's a huge mix of like guns and roses songs um, Snake Pit songs, the Slash album, and then that actually sold me on it because I was like, "Oh, cool! Miles is uh, covering all of these other singers, and he pulls it off well." Oh yeah, I'd forgotten because he even did Slither on there, which was cool to pull out a Velvet Revolver song. Yeah, Mr. Brownstone, Sweet Child of Mine, Patience, yeah. That's really cool. I've listened to it, but it's been a long time, so I need to go back through that. Yeah, like there's been a lot of live albums. It seems like they put out an album. They're good about that, putting out an album and then like a live album or because they've got like what, three or four, I think, now? It looks like three. They've got um, Live at the Roxy is their second one and then Living the Dream Tour. So yeah, that's really strong stuff. And I love the album Living the Dream Listen to it this week. I don't think there was anything I disliked on it. Now there were definitely some that weren't as strong, but I really, really dug it. Yeah, I remember um, that one being like I hadn't bought vinyl in like years, and then that was like the first like new release thing that I'd bought in 
or bought. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, so I hooked on it. Right. It had like what that drive and rain mm-hmm. was a single. I like Boulevard of Broken Hearts and the Great Contender. Yeah. Man, like a lot of those stand out too. Like, I like Slow Grind, Mind Your Manners, and the title track. Oh, not title track. The Call of the Wild's really good as well. So I really dig most of it. There were a couple that were a little more mellow that worked really well because I remember playing them for my friend Chris because he is not really into metal so i was playing some of the more mellow ones for him to try to introduce him to something new because hmm. he is definitely more like i mean he likes rock like maybe some of the uh early jimmy world and a few things but he's much more pop than he is rock so i was like well let me go with the less metal stuff because that's much more likely to possibly hook him than the metal stuff uh, even sugarcane's really good so I really, I really like that album a lot, and it looks like they pretty much had a the same musicians on each album. I think, except for when they, uh, I know they added another rhythm guitarist. Yeah, that Frank uh, Sidoris. Mm-hmm. Did they do that on the second one, or was that the third? They added him in. I think. It must be the third because he's not listed on the second album. Yeah, I think he toured actually toured because I saw him on the apocalyptic love tour mm-hmm. i think he was there but he wasn't like he was like a touring member or he wasn't official so i don't think right. he was official till that um the last one yeah yeah something i was noticing today i was watching some live footage of them from howard stern promoting this album they did rocket man and man um the drummer brent fitz and the bassist todd kearns do incredible backing vocals and I'd never really noticed how much backing vocals was in some of their stuff, but they have, they work really well with Miles's voice. Yeah, those guys like I follow them on Instagram. Um, I followed them for a while, but those guys I think they're Canadian, and they like work together on their own, like in other bands, and they've even done sets on like the Kiss Cruise every year, and they do like Kiss songs together. So I think they've got like a really good i don't know friendship or rapport or something but yeah like i think they do a lot in their own stuff too and yeah so they kind of bring some of that to the slash stuff i guess is where i was going with that well it definitely explains why they they know how to harmonize so well together because that always doesn't always come natural not all singers can do that with each other but if you have some that work together more they know exactly what to do and how to do it. So I was noticing something just then. Looks like Eric Valentine produced the first one, but the second and third were by Elvis Basquette that does all the Alter Bridge albums and the Tremonti albums, and I think at least one of the Miles albums. But this new album, they decided to go with a different producer, and I don't really know why, I, other than obviously when you listen to this album, they were going for something different. But they... Dave Cobb, yes, who does the new one. He does all the stuff that you're familiar with, like Chris Stapleton and like Jason mm-hmm. Isbell. I think he's like huge, huge in that area. Right. Yeah, I definitely knew the name. So I guess they were just wanting a different sound. Oh, wow. I even did Rebel Sons, uh, a band I forget to mention a whole lot, but incredible rock band. Kind of remind me a little bit of Zeppelin, but not being as on the nose as. Uh, Oh, that's good you mentioned it. What would you recommend from them? Rebel Sons? Because I've heard that name for like years, or I've seen that name, but I've never actually listened to anything. So what would you um, recommend? Let's see. Let me pull up Feral Roots. That was my favorite of their albums. Do Your Worst is incredible. Sugar on the Bone and Back in the Woods. So really the first three tracks on Feral Roots are is a really good place to start. Oh, awesome. Um, I, yeah, I think I've only listened to their album Hollow Bones and Feral Roots, but I'd never even heard of them until Feral Roots came out. Somebody posted something about them, and then I saw them doing a Zeppelin cover. But like, they seem to like do like modern rock, mix a little Zeppelin thing, but they're not as on the nose as what's that band I'm blanking on that uh, I was really high on 
for a very brief time, but people uh, still love them. Fleet? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's just funny like, you mentioned that. Sorry to cut you off because uh, the end of March, so like a month from now, uh, they're both going to perform in uh, Peoria. Greta Van Fleet, Rival Sons, and some other group. I've never heard of them called the Velveteers or something. But yeah, so like my girlfriend they playing together? Go. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, all wow. three of those bands. So. Interesting. Because like, I, I, I don't hate Greta Van Fleet now, but I just felt their first full length album kind of didn't do anything for me. Uh, whereas I liked their EP. Oh, um, really? I'm the opposite because maybe, maybe it's just because for me, at least there was that stigma of, Oh, these guys sound like Led Zeppelin. So we're going to have the radio, uh, play these Zeppelin songs to death. But then mm-hmm. when that album came out, what was a peaceful army? There's a lot more like melodic or like acoustic-y, sound and stuff more like textures and it didn't sound like totally like Led Zeppelin knockoff or something, I guess. So maybe, maybe it's just marketing. Like that's what they were marketed as. But then if I went a little bit deeper, I'm like, Oh, okay. There's more stuff here, but they just had to sell them on something. Right. Yeah. They did a cover of change is going to come. Oh, nice. That was incredible. That was what sold me on their EP outside of, Howie tune and what the hell the other one's called. Uh, it was a but anyway. safari song. I yeah. Because yeah. it was just weird how one's a tune and one's a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I need to give them another chance. But like, I just kind of got turned off at some point by them. But yeah, anyway, I had no clue Rival Sons was produced by Dave Cobb. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff by him, even outside the country genre. So I can see why they'd want to work with him. But I don't know if it was maybe an abbreviated time period. I know they all got COVID while recording the album. So that had to suck. Um, <laughs> that, did, you, did you know that about um, Slash 4, that they all got COVID while recording it? I didn't know that they all did, but I want to say I think I read something where they recorded it all together. Like, didn't they record it live in the studio instead mm-hmm. of doing their tracks? So that almost kind of does sound like it might be like a, bad idea yeah Um, you know because everybody else is doing their stuff remotely now uh, for mm -hmm. like a reason and they're like well we're gonna get together so like i don't know if yeah like that was the best decision yeah because i think this was being recorded before the vaccine was very readily available because this has been recorded for a while and so yeah they did that but they did take a lot of precautions like i think they all took their own campers uh rvs or whatever so like it wasn't like they were flying or doing anything else that could be seen as risky so at least they're all kind of bunking uh together but not really right kind of like isolating in their own like campers yeah on location you're saying yeah because it's kind of like you heard early in the pandemic people were talking about kind of like their pod of people and so it makes sense like the band would be a pod and then maybe their significant other but not like tons of other people like they were definitely trying to be safe but at the same point they did get covid and it was funny i read somewhere that one of the songs they didn't redo even though miles definitely has some phlegm in his voice and they didn't even bother to clean it up which is interesting huh. uh, i think it's the river is rising is the one i i can't hear it but i've not listened to it purposely listening for that yet but like listening to it mindlessly i haven't noticed anything different I guess um, in a way, like with them recording it all live in the studio like that, instead of like, you know, tracking their parts, it does actually give it like a kind of a cool sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the songs that work, it really does have a really cool feel to it. But I, I'll just go ahead and say it. I like how uh, you said for the songs that work. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love this band. Like, and I find it phenomenal that. I don't have a clue how Miles can do this, can do his solo albums. He's done two now. And then he does all the Alter Bridge stuff. Like he does it all. And so like, I don't know how, I mean, and then Slash of course has been doing all the touring with the Guns N' Roses, but still doing this. It's incredible to me that they're able to do this much stuff. But like I said, I don't know what it is about it, but this album to me, it's not bad. But it's just not particularly great. Like, it's just, 
it's pretty good. Like it, it hit me. I didn't like the fact that it was only 10 tracks. I feel cheated anytime that happens. Like that just, I mean, you can't say at least that, well, there's no filler, but I don't know. I just, I feel these days you should always have 11 or 12 tracks. That's just a thing that I prefer. But if you're not going to have that, I want for every track to hit with me. And it didn't. So anyway, I'm, I'm jumping all around because I don't want to just sound like I'm hating on the band because I love them. I really do. Like I think they're a phenomenal um, band and I think they're all great musicians. But for whatever reason, this album just let me down. What The one that I really, really dislike, and I'll start with that. Where is it? Sorry, my notes are all over the place, and I misplaced that thing. Crap, what was the one we were joking about that I think we both didn't like? Hmm. Okay, I won't start with that one. I'll start with one I do like. Say La Vie has kind of a talk box guitar sound that I like a lot. Did that one stand out to you at all? Yeah, that one actually kind of did, because I thought it kind of had, like, how I said uh, the apocalyptic love had like a dirty rock sound. That one has <clears> like this dirty kind of rhythmy thing going on. And I'm like, yeah, like, all right, I can get into this. Yeah. 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 Say La Vie is my favorite off of it. Probably that a mixture between that. And here's the one we talked about that we both liked a lot was fill my world. Yeah. Um, it's extremely catchy, has great vocals and lyrics. So like, that's really, really solid. And then to me, did you hear what I was talking about when I meant, texted you saying it kind of, the guitar part reminds me of Sweet Child of Mine, but slower and like a different tuning and no harmonics? Yeah, because actually my co-host friend, um, Brent, I think I sent him a text like, hey, there's a new Slash song out today. And he goes, oh, uh, the one that is like Sweet Child of Mine in reverse. And I was like, oh, geez, I kind of slapped my forehead because I was like, I was digging the song and it sounded familiar, but I couldn't place it. And then when he said that, it really kind of like made sense. Like the cartoony light bulb was over my head, but mm-hmm. I don't care that it sounds like that. It's a good song. Oh, so. the thing is, it, it does not feel like a ripoff of an, a previous song yeah, to me. It's just it one of those things I can't not hear. And that's not a bad thing. It's just one of those things that for whatever reason with Brent, I get it because he's a guitarist. So I definitely hear why he catches it more with me i don't know why i notice it because i can't play guitar for anything but i did notice that but like yeah it didn't bother me at all but i think that's so funny that he had already said that to you because that was something i'd noticed the first listen but hadn't said to anybody but once you mentioned the song i'm like i gotta say it because it's something that's been on my mind but anyway that one works really well it doesn't bother me at all that doesn't take away anything and i don't think it's a ripoff or anything it's just a similar enough pattern and thank God I didn't do the harmonics thing because that would have been too close to the, you know, Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah, because like but you see, said, I think he's coming at it from a guitar player standpoint, whereas I'm just like, you know, oh, a good song is a good song to me, and I don't really have like a trained ear. Um, but here's something that I thought with that, even if he is revisiting Sweet Child of Mine intentionally or not, I can't think of many times that slash has revisited a song i know he's got a style but i can't really place anything else like that so i'm like um if it took him 30 years (laughs) yeah or almost yeah like i don't know over 30 years or something like then that's pretty good yeah if you're able to put out fresh music for 34 years um (laughs) or now 35 years like that's incredible because there's a lot of albums in those years, especially when you had in the Snake Pit and then the Revolver. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's incredible to not repeat yourself. So yeah, that, that doesn't bother me at all. I don't feel that as a critique. <laughs> oh God, because we were talking off air um, earlier. We were talking about Godsmack off air earlier, and I think <laughs> they had Voodoo on their first album, and then within their second or third album, they had a song called Voodoo Two. Did they really? Yeah. Like so it's like they kind of did that <laughs> in like like six years they repeated themselves or at least kind of had a sequel. Whereas yeah, Slash took like, I don't know, ten times as long. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> well with Godsmack, like, I always thought I didn't realize there was a voodoo too, but like I felt Serenity was their attempt to capture that same kind of style again. 
Um, yeah, which I like Serenity. I don't care that it kind of kind of went back to that well or whatever. But then Voodoo Two was just like, okay, guys. <laughs> okay, now I'm it's obvious. A, I'm making a more uh, a little marking that down. I've got to check that out. I need to laugh. It was Voodoo Two, like T O O, not T W O. Nice. <laughs> like, all right, enough off the um, off the rails or whatever. Oh, it's okay. Uh, now, uh, that's the same way, even though it's listed as Unforgiven 2, but in the lyrics, it's Are You Unforgiven 2, yeah. which would be 200. So it's the same thing. That's that's hilarious. Uh, but I will go completely against Brent on that. I love Unforgiven 2. I can't believe he doesn't like it. Yeah, um, yeah I was just like, what? No. Okay, so the song I don't like is Spirit Love. Oh. It, annoys, <laughs> it annoys the hell out of me. I don't like the riff. It's a weird, strange tuning. It is so severely off-putting to me. I didn't take better notes than that, but that, that captures it, I think. Well, oh. Do you like that one at all? Well, I was laughing, so... Uh, <laughs> no, like I don't, I don't like that song. There's actually like two that stand out that I just do not like. And okay. like, I was trying to give this album a chance. And I guess I just thought how you were saying, man, Miles does this, this, and this, and this, and this. And I like how we set the stage saying that we're fans of Slash and Miles. But I kind of wonder now if Miles is like spreading himself too thin. Is that the word? Like he's doing almost too much mm-hmm. or something. And I'm kind of like, I feel like Miles is like the weak part of this album, whereas on some of them, I'm like, oh my God, Miles is awesome. Did you think he sounded bad on those two songs or just like not good lyrics or what? Like the spirit love thing, it was just kind of, I just wrote down one note the other day. It's like, this is dumb. But then today (laughs) I was doing laundry and was kind of walking in and out uh, from my apartment to the laundry room because I was trying to like, I got to go around the building to do laundry. And I had this album going again. And as I was walking like in, uh, the song came on and uh, I was just like, Spirit Love, is that like Ray and Ghostbusters or something? Is that like the song that's, <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed dumb like that. Like, you know how he's got that uh, ghost uh, scene with him and a girl <laughs> And I was like, or him and a girl ghost. I'm like, oh, God, that's spirit love. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm making it sound as funny as it was when it was in my head. But I was like laughing out loud. I didn't pay a bit of attention to the lyrics. It was all the guitar that annoyed me on it. Uh, See, I didn't mind the guitar as much because I kind of thought it had at least, it kind of sounded, I don't know, Middle Eastern or like Mediterranean or something. And then when the solo kicks in, it sounded cool. But the lyrics, just, I don't know. It just sounded like dumb to me. Like, really? That's what you're talking <laughs> about is like you got a a spirit girlfriend or something? I don't know. Maybe like maybe it's more powerful than it is. Maybe it's like, oh, my God, he loved this girl so much. And he's like, I don't know, doing like Ouija boards to talk to her. I don't oh know. Oh, my God. Now I'm looking at the lyrics. Here, com- here she comes. Here she comes. My apparition of love. She's got me speaking in tongues. As we dance in the midnight sun, good God! Yes, yeah, it's like the ghost girl from from um, Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> see, so it's funny. We both really dislike this song, but you, it's the lyrics and vocals, and me, it's the guitar tone that I just really get annoyed by. Um, well, that goes back to another one, though. Okay, that like I didn't like at all. Maybe. I was not sure if this was the case or not. Like how we said, oh man, we're a fan of all the albums before this. And I didn't know if it was a case of like setting the bar too high or something and having way too much expectations. And I really, really dug um, The River is Rising. Like I listened to that like mm-hmm. on repeat a lot because it was just cycling through, even when that was like first kind of release or the first like single. And so. Maybe I set the bar high with that too. But then the second song came on and it's that, uh, God, what is it? Whatever gets you by. Mm -hmm. I did not like that at all. And I think for that, like it's going back to the music. Like it's got some kind of low kind of like, I don't know, dirty kind of low kind of like, 
I don't know how to describe it, like twisty or something. But Miles, like, I just feel like he's not like singing that song the way that he should. And how like some of my friends have criticized Miles' vocals, and I'm like, oh no, he's not that nasally. You know, he does a lot of different stuff. Like he's got different tones. Like sometimes he does like Bad Rain, where he's kind of lower, or mm-hmm. he's got some other kind of lower stuff in Alter Bridge. But I feel like this whole album, he's in that nasally range, and he doesn't like leave that. Like he's in that same kind of like vocal style the entire album and there's nothing where he's not doing that or something and it just doesn't fit that song is where i'm going with it it seems like okay he needed to go lower or something or kind of like mix up his vocals it sounds like two different songs to me or something like he's singing one song and the and the guys in the band are playing something else right i'll have to re-listen to that one because i don't remember that one as well and I listened to this several times this week, so yeah, like I did too, because I really, really, really wanted to like it, and I'm like, man, like, like this sounds like the complaint like that my friends are making, and now I can kind of see it or something. So that's why I thought maybe, maybe Miles was just like, he's just doing too much or something, and then so for this one, I don't know if he was like phoning it in. Or like what was going on? Maybe maybe he was like sick and couldn't really focus on it. I don't I don't know. But like I want right. to like this album, but I guess I just couldn't really like a whole whole thing of it. Like I like certain songs, but not everything on it. The rhythm guitar on action speaks louder than words. That that one seems solid to me. I don't know remember tons of details about it, but I do remember that liking that one. Yeah. I like that one pretty well. Yeah. And jokes he, on you isn't bad. Yeah. It seems like here was something I was thinking too, and I don't know if you were thinking this. I thought maybe like maybe it would have been cool if Todd Kearns had like sang on the album on the whole thing or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I just felt like like the guys in the band, like the music and how they're like recording it live. It sounded like they were like really clicking and like I love the music. I guess I just didn't like Miles on it that much, to be honest. Okay. But yeah, musically, like I dig it. Like even what I was saying, like like "Say La Vie" stands out a lot for that kind of mm-hmm. dirty sound. Yeah, I'll, I guess I like about maybe half of it, which isn't good when there's only ten tracks. <laughs> uh, April Fool, I don't remember that track. Now I will say the vocals that I don't like from Miles on it was "Call Off the Dogs." That one kind of annoyed me a little bit. But I can't really say what it is about it. I just didn't think it was a. I didn't think it was a strong third single. I think how we were talking too. Like I can't really remember those lyrics. Yeah, uh, that you were mentioning for that one. But going back to that, fill my world. Uh, I don't know if you like were aware of this, but Miles wrote the song from the perspective of his dog, and I thought that that was almost really, really touching. And it was like. It was like a love song. Like I thought it was just a love song, but then I read that he like wrote it from the perspective of his dog. Cause like he was gone and the dog, like he watched some kind of home security camera of the dog being kind of like lost at home without anybody there. And he's just kind of like, you know, I guess the dog had a sense of abandonment or something. Mm-hmm. And so it almost seems like really, really heartbreaking or something like, yeah, like your pets are gone, but you're their world. Right. I don't know if you read that article or not. I didn't. I can't remember where I came across that. It must have just been on like Loudwire or one of those rock pages. I don't know. Like I wanted to like stuff on the album and like, yeah, there's good stuff. I guess I just wasn't as like, man, I guess I was kind of bummed out a little bit. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping more of it will grab me with Tom. April Fool, I thought had a cool classic rock feel. Yeah. So I did like that about it. So I, I did feel on at least a few of the tracks that did kind of capture more of that than they did metal with, than, uh, with this album. And I guess, like I said, I think that was something they were going for because the first three are much more metal centric. I don't know if this is what they're going to give us. Go back to the metal. <laughs> I guess, um, I guess too, though, like how we're saying too, they had all these strong albums. That's a good string mm-hmm. streak of albums too. It really is, and there's not much time between them, so 
yeah, 2012, 2014, 2018, and 2022. That's got to be disappointing. They, I mean, I guess they did tour in the Dream, but I would have to imagine they would have toured a little bit more on Living the Dream if COVID hadn't happened. Well, maybe not, because then they were doing Guns N' Roses. I guess they did better with that than with Alter Bridge. They put out uh, Walk the Sky, which was a really strong album, and weren't able to tour it for like, just a few months. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, because that came out in the fall of 2019. And I saw them on that tour, and I think their like winter 2020 run might have been cut short. And then boom, yeah, they're just off on their side projects and stuff. So that right. really didn't get hit a lot at all. Yeah, because I I wasn't able to catch them on the first leg. I was going to catch them on the second leg. It was going to be May of 2020, and of course that show got canceled. But yeah, I remember being very disappointed because I wanted to see Walk the Sky. I'd seen, I guess three fortress and uh whatever the hell the fifth one's called i can't remember off the top of my head it's the one i don't really like i was gonna um, say the world needs a hero but it's it's not it's something like that though for the title like mm-hmm. yeah the last hero isn't that yeah. what it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah the last <laughs> hero so anyway i guess i don't need to drag through the mud too much i just I'm definitely not giving up on the band. I love the band. I think they're all great musicians. I'm throw a little love out to Brent Fitz as the drummer. He's very solid. Todd Kearns is great on um, bass, and both of them provide incredible backing vocals on the live tracks I've seen of them. I would still see this live if I had a chance, but it's just not one that's got me excited like I usually am. Yeah, like I agree, but maybe I guess too with all this stuff that they're doing, like maybe Miles just didn't have enough time to like put like lyrics together or something. I don't know. There's just something missing or something in this album. Well, he was definitely working on the solo album probably around the same time. It definitely could have just been too much happening too close together. I wonder if some of those songs will uh, pop like live hopefully hopefully they at least come out with like a dvd or something again because i think they're starting to tour it right now yes i believe so because they i know they did kimmel recently too i haven't seen that performance yet but i remember getting excited that they were going to play kimmel and i'm sure there's an actual tour oh so this should have been my current spins thing but uh it was a few weeks ago or maybe it was a month ago have you ever heard the paul mccartney song or album flaming pie no man it is really good uh let's see what year was that from flaming pie flaming mose (laughs) i want to see when it actually came out crazy spotify i know it did not come out in 2020 Hmm. all right wikipedia will tell me it's his 10th album from 1997 okay i knew it definitely didn't sound like super young paul but it I knew it hadn't been like really recent. Um, what a weird title. <laughs> it is. But the songs, I remember I'd heard uh, Great Day. I'd heard that one in a Jed Apatow movie. I cannot remember which one it was, but I liked it a good bit. Souvenir is really good. There's a lot of other good songs on there, but that's one I was going to say is a cool Paul McCartney album to go back to. Hmm. But anyway, so that was a little random thing. That popped in my mind. Uh, what what else are you looking forward to this year, music wise, uh, Andy? Like, uh, I know we talked about Hellstorm, I and mean, I mentioned Red Hot Chili Peppers. I know that's either April or May. I know there's something else big coming out. Oh uh, yeah, there's Hailstorm in May that I've already pre-ordered. Mm-hmm. There's um, Ghost has a new album in the early part of March, and then even the Scorpions. They've got an album coming out. Wow. Okay. Next week. So so it does kind of seem like February, or at least this kind of period is kind of cool, at least because like the Slash came out, Scorpions. Then there was like a re-release. I don't know if you're from how uh, familiar you are with Judas Priest. Um, just a little bit. Uh, the singer, um, Rob Halford, he had left in the '90s, and he kind of had a band called Fight. And I don't know if I ever knew about it, but I only found out about it recently. And he did a thing in the 90s with two, like for two albums. The band was called Fight, and they're getting re released on vinyl. 
And so I pre-ordered one, but in the meantime, I've been listening to him online and it's kind of like Rob Halford doing uh Pantera songs. Interesting. So it's kind of weird. It's like an interesting mix because I want to like Pantera, but I don't really love them. Mm-hmm. Like to a lesser extent, what I said about Chili Peppers, because I at least like the Chili Pepper singles and stuff. But sometimes Pantera, like I'm like, and eh, like I'll just do a song or two at a time. Right. But this is like Rob Halford. He's like doing a different style of music, and he's like more like aggressive, and it just sounds like a really cool take on those like songs. Right. So where I was going was I'm. I'm looking forward to picking up uh, the reissue of that. Then uh, that band Haunt that I've mentioned before, I think I saw mm-hmm. something where the guy's got a new album coming out at some point this year, but I think he puts out some one or two things a year. Yeah, he's very prolific. And then uh, um, there's another record store day thing. They do it every spring, and I've got like six or seven things that I want, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get <laughs> half of those. Oh, yeah, Jazz Sabbath has something coming on. Yes, that's the other thing. Yeah. yeah. After you had <laughs> him on the show, I really got into the first one, and I really love the first single from the second album, so I'm definitely going to have to pick that up when it drops. Yeah, that was so, something <laughs> that I enjoy listening to, but I also it is perfect since it's instrumental for me to put on while i'm t- having to type a lot yeah yeah <laughs> i'm really wanting to get that on um record store day because for some reason there's like a special vinyl version that's coming out uh that has an extra song and then it's got a dvd with it oh and that's cool. uh the one i bought before had like a dvd with it too but you can i don't know what's going to be on the dvd but the other one was something where they came up with a mockumentary like Spinal Tap style backstory to the band, and that's on YouTube, and it's on the DVD that came with the vinyl uh, special edition kind of deal. So nice. I'm wondering if he does another like weird kind of mockumentary kind of thing for that one. So maybe it'll at least be on YouTube probably at some point. Right. Oh, and I just looked it up. The Chili Peppers is April 1st. And it's called Unlimited Love. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I, I'm just not that I ever get tired of music. Of course, that's my my first love. But um, just a lot of exciting stuff coming on. Oh, and I didn't realize this. Hell yeah! No, another reason why I dig that single so much from the Chili Peppers. Rick Rubin produced it. That's awesome. Yeah, he hasn't worked with those guys in a while. Yeah, he hasn't. That's really cool. Anyway, I I've, I know I've been all over the place this episode, but I just had a lot on my mind, I suppose. So, uh, as always, if you have any thoughts or recommendations for future episodes, you can reach me Sunday underscore Groove underscore on Twitter or Sunday Groove dot Lillo. And that's L-I-L-L-O and Sunday spelled just like the day of the week. But yeah, uh, reach out to me. Let me know any ideas or what your list would be of the slash songs. Like which songs do you really like? Are we wrong? Is the new album better than we think it is? And, you know, just any kind of thing. Let me know. Check out Andy on his uh, podcast, a sides with Brent. Y'all have done, what is it? 81 or something so far? Um, 85. I think Metallica one. Wow. Uh, it was episode 85, but we've been doing it since, September 2019 and uh like there was a period where or a majority are us together uh talking about new albums or classic albums or favorite songs but then there was a period where he kind of took over and did a lot of solo stuff mm-hmm. well, I'm still mixing in solo stuff so it kind of brings the a total up yeah, but still very impressive. I'm on episode 41, and I started July of 2017. So, <laughs> yeah, um, but you're just one guy doing it. So, I am, so and I lose motivation have, like, yeah. easily, and things happen. So, yeah, just anyway. But yeah, uh, reach out. Let us know some what you think of this. Let us know which albums you're excited for this year. I'm always excited for any conversation revolving around music, and I think it's going to come next month but uh should be a beatles episode with greg and who knows there'll be there'll be a lot of fun stuff coming in the future cool cool anyway 
Thank you all for listening, and now we'll catch you all down the road. Oh.